Welcome back to another episode of Drunko Unplugged. Zach and I once again meet up. We talk about the transfer portal, NIL, the entire works. So please give this a listen. Give us a shout out. Share it with your friends. Also, you can check out my YouTube page, Drunko Unplugged, where I post other videos as well. I know I haven't done a regular episode in a minute. I am working on trying to get that video formatted to this platform. So please bear with me while I'm trying to do that. Enjoy. Hello, Zach. What's up? Oh, you know. It's, uh supposedly drinking the world's strongest coffee, but I don't think that's true. The world's strongest coffee? Supposedly. It's what the box said. Interesting. I mean, you know, companies never make stuff like that up either, so that's got to be true. I mean, it is on the box, and it's advertised as such, and you think that they would get sued. So, especially in today's world, hard to tell. Either way, I mean, it tastes good. Just, I don't know. Maybe it's like one of those, like in like 30 minutes, we'll be on here and I'll be like panting. (laughs) (laughs) It just reminds me, the only thing that keeps popping in my head is like we were watching Elf last night and where the part where he goes and he's like, the world's greatest cup of coffee. You did it. Congratulations. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, some people listen to this, they might wonder um, what's going on here, because it is the week of college football where there's only one game on. So, before we get into our transfer portal and all that great stuff, gotta Go get Navy. your okay. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Go, Go Navy, Navy beat Army. That's that's what yeah. I like to hear. Yes, sir. You already know. It's like going to watch an Iowa game. When you go to watch Iowa, you know there's going to be a lot of punting. And when you watch Army and Navy, you know there's going to be nothing but running. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do both those teams still do like all the triple option stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 Army's a little more prominent with it. But, yeah. Back in the day, that used to be pretty fun to watch. Not so much anymore, but. Always interesting. Yeah, go go midshipmen. Got to support my Navy boys. So let's dive into the transfer portal. All right. Um, actually looking at an article that was posted by CBS Sports. Updated 11 minutes ago. So um, don't know if you – I'm sure you know. Um, one of the biggest things that we talked about last week was – Ohio State players that are leaving and staying. And the real big question mark right now, I think, looming over the Buckeye program is what's going on with Trevion Henderson? Yeah. 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 I mean, do you, do you want me to kind of go ahead say what's going on or you got an article? What, what, what's your go ahead. Say? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to elaborate after you talk about okay. it. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we, we touched on it a little bit last week and, you know, I, 
my prediction was, you know, Travion is most most likely gone. Um, you know, you I anybody who's projected in the first round or, or right around it in the past is typically, you know, gone 100%. There's no question about it. And he is, you know, he's kind of a late, late first round, might sneak into the first round, probably more likely to be a second round guy. Um, and on, I want to say probably Wednesday, I, I, I read a rumor kind of floating around the message boards and stuff that, um, you know, that Travion Henderson was considering coming back. And typically that's pretty, you can just dismiss that right away. You're like, okay, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Just like CJ Stroud was just like Marvin Harrison says he is sure. Whatever it is, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that, you know, that person also said like, Hey, if you see, you know, maybe one of these, Ohio state running backs hit the portal, then that might, that might kind of mean something. And, you know, literally the next day on, I think it was Thursday, um, Chip Trainum entered the portal. So kind of, you know, the, the word going around the Woody Hayes is, is that Trey's coming back and, um, you know, Chip Trainum, who would probably be the lead back or at least splitting carries with Dallin Hayden next year. You know, the fact that he's leaving, I mean, that, that really tells you something, you know, it, it seems more and more likely now that Henderson um, might be returning. So very interesting, you know, I hate to lose Chip, but at the same time, if I got to trade Chip to have, Trey Henderson another year. I'll I'll trade all those running backs in the in the room for for him. So um, yeah, looking like Trey Henderson might might be returning. Still still very surprised by that. Um, but you know, I kind of hope it's true. What do you what what do you got? So one of the latest updates on two two four seven sports, which people don't know, is an affiliate of CBS um, of CBS Sports actually. Um, one of the running backs that have hit the portal is Trevor Etienne, which is um, oh, Travis's I can't, brother. Yeah, yeah, Travis Etienne, who plays for the Jags, it's his brother. He uh, transferring out of Florida, and there's actually been some talks of him potentially landing at the Buckeyes, which is. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of this is kind of surrounding this Trey Henderson news is I feel like if uh, Trevion decides to go to the draft, which, I mean, you and I were talking about it offline from the podcast. I mean, I feel like if you know you're going to be a first round or second round, like you should almost always go at this point. But um, I, I think that kind of creates a big stigma, like, Okay, so if Trevion declares, then does that mean ETN's going to land with us? Um, and the tough thing, I mean, we've seen it with the portal, is some of these players will sit in the portal for weeks, and then there's some that will be in it for two hours. Yeah. Um, how would you feel about if uh, ETN ended up in our backfield? Well, I, I think the only I think the only scenario in which a guy like Trevor Etienne or, or himself um, would come to Ohio State is is only if Trey Henderson leaves. I don't see a situation where um, you know we land a portal back if Trey Henderson is staying. Right? I, I you, there's no way a guy like him comes to Ohio State knowing that he's going to be at, at at very most splitting carries if if that. So. Um, if, and I want to ask you that on – sorry. I want to ask you that on the assumption that Henderson declares. 
on the assumption that Henderson declares, I would very happily welcome a guy like Trevor Atien. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that would be that'd be a good fit. I, I, I would like that a lot. Um, but just uh, to me, I mean, again, now that I'm leaning with Chip Trainum being gone, again, I, I think if Chip Trainum didn't know, you know, if he didn't know something, you know, if he didn't know about Trey Henderson, if he thought that um, – you know, Trey was declaring for the draft, you know, those guys, those guys, they, they know each other, you know, they're friends. I, I'm sure if, if Chip Trainum knew, oh, you know, Trey's gone, he's going to the draft, then I, heck, I'm sticking around, you know, I'll, I'll be the lead guy next year, or, you know, be splitting carries with Dallin Hayden or whatever. So I don't know. It, it's, it's still kind of up in the air until Trey Henderson, you know, officially announces anything. It's anyone's best guess at this point. I'm hoping he returns, but, um, yeah, I mean, again, if 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 he leaves, I would gladly have a, a Trevor ATN, but give me Trey Henderson over anybody any day, so we'll see. Well, and I think one of the interesting things with ETN is he is a very dynamic, shifty running back, right? Whereas Chip is one of those guys that's a power back. You know, he's not going to be busting off. 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns, but he can get you, you know, five to 13 yards between the tackles. And I think it's kind of a combination of maybe it's like you're saying, um, Trey potentially returning. But I also think another thing that kind of factors in is the style of offense that we're trying to move towards is we're trying and from my assumption, it seems like we're going to try to get back to that more spread RPOs type of offense where we're running the ball more so outside the tackles than inside the tackles. Um, so I think that's that's just that one killer for Chip Tranum is that he just doesn't have that top speed and shiftiness. He's more of that like power style back. So uh, ETN would be an exciting guy to come on board. And especially because he's been on a crappy Florida team for the last couple of years and uh, still doing really well down there. So I would imagine he would uh, do great things for Ohio State. Um, also, notably, we talked about Kyle McCord last week and literally the next day from posting – was it the next – or the next day from recording the podcast, not even posting the yeah. podcast – uh, McCord entered the transfer portal. What was your initial reaction to that? Um, shocked, <laughs> a- absolutely shocked. You know, we we recorded the podcast um, Sunday night, and literally Monday at six a.m., my uncle texted me and said, "You see, McCord's in the portal." And I was like, oh, "I'm sorry, what?" Um, that that caught me off guard. I had to really, um, you know, do some checking on that. And sure enough, um. I, I was shocked, and I, I won't say I was shocked that he entered the portal. You know, I, I thought there was a good chance that, you know, if, if Day told him, like, hey, man, you know, you're you're not going to be – and from the sound of it, I think that was the conversation with him. You know, him and – it was rumored, you know, kind of that him and his dad sat down with Day, um, you know, the week after the Michigan game. And, you know, Day, Day sat down with a lot of players that week, you know, to kind of discuss everyone's fate and, you know, what he saw for them moving forward. And – I think McCord really wanted the guarantee that, you know, is this my team next year or is it not? And um, I think Day, I don't think Day necessarily said like, hey, buddy, get lost. You know, you need to hit the portal. Um, But I think he told him, um, you know, we we want you to stay, but, you know, you're going to have to battle next year. You know, we're going to, it's going to be, you know, you, Devin and Lincoln are going to battle it out or 
we're going to look to port, bring in a portal guy and you can battle out with him or whatever. So I think he, he wanted to guarantee that, you know, he was our, our starting quarterback next year and um, day couldn't give it to him. So I, I think he ultimately decided I'm going to go somewhere where I know I'm 1000% the guy. And um, it looks like at this point, Nebraska is kind of the odds on favorite to, uh, to land him. So I, I, again, I wouldn't say I'm completely shocked that he entered the portal, but the timing of it was very, very surprising. You know, I thought it would at least be um, maybe after the bowl game, you know, if, if it did happen. So I, I was just surprised it happened so soon, more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I um, I kind of thought, based on the press conference that happened, whenever we talked about that. Um, yeah. His comments that- make a lot more sense now. <laughs> that well and and like we we've always said is that day is pretty methodical with how he does his press conferences he is careful with what he gives away and it seemed to me like at that time he was giving away like all right like hey this isn't a done deal sealed job for McCord and you know it's unfortunate for Kyle and his situation um you know, some people say, oh, he's running from the competition. But in reality, he knows just as much as the rest of us know that um, he's a good quarterback, but he's just not meant for an elite program like ours that comes with that elite pressure. Yeah. And it's not like he was horrible the whole season, but at the same time, one of the big things that have to be taken in consideration, because I see a lot of, especially on the social medias, where these people are like, oh, these fans are never happy. They ran McCord out of town, yada, yada, yada. He had X, Y, and Z stats. And stats don't tell the story. Because I'm pretty sure you could bring in almost any mid-tier D1 quarterback from a Power 5 conference on this year's team and – they would have close to the same stats because of who they're throwing the ball to. So that's one of those really like forgotten items. Um, And so it's interesting just to see how quick he was in the portal. I know we're still kind of waiting on, or it seems like there was a decision already made, I guess you would say from Devin Brown. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was interesting. He um, so for for those who didn't see it, uh, Devin Brown tweeted out a picture. It was just one of those kind of cryptic messages that you know, I I had to be informed on what it meant because I I had no idea. I, I kind of had the same initial reaction as you, and it was just a it's a I guess it's an old it's a painting of like burning ships and out on the ocean, burning ships that are like you know on fire and sinking. And I'm like, oh god, like you kind of had the same reaction. I was like, does that mean like, you know, we're going down with the ship, right? Like things are crazy. You know, we're burning it to the ground, whatever. I guess it was, uh, it's kind of a reference to um, who, who's the famous, what's the explorer's name again? Was it Christopher Columbus? No, not Columbus. Sacagawea? Not Sacagawea. <laughs> Cortez. Cortez. I was just so saying, I mean, you're, I'm not a history buff. You're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm not either. I hate, I hate history. It was, I, I have, I do care nothing about it. But anyways, I guess it's a reference to um, uh, Cortez. I guess when they were, uh, you know, kind of sailing to, 
the new world, he uh, he turned around and he kind of told his guys like, hey, everybody, bur- you know, burn the boats. And they're all like, what? What do you mean burn the boats? And he's like, we're not. He said, there's no going back. We don't need the boats anymore. We're staying here. We're making it work, you know, for better or for worse. So uh, burn the ships. We don't need them. You know, it's kind of like there's there's no turning back now. Like, we're going to stay here. We're going to make the best of it. So that was kind of how, um, you know, how people interpreted it, obviously. And I, I think that's obviously what it meant now that I you know, was informed on it. So yeah, Devin Brown, it seems like he's made his decision that, you know, this is it, man, burn the boats. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Buckeye at least for another year or maybe at least until spring. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to see it through. So um, looks like Devin Brown's sticking around. Well, and interesting enough with this quarterback development is I've been seeing some minor reports here and there. I don't know the overall validity to it and we'll see it as it unfolds because I mean, a lot of these, yeah, you can find a reputable source that typically puts out accurate reports, but you still never really know until you know. Um, but it seems like there is a pretty decent interest, uh, mutual interest, I should say, with Ohio State and quarterback Cameron Ward from Washington State. And I know you and I have had many conversations about the transfer quarterbacks, um, the portal with that and what that looks like for us. And um, he's one of those guys that we've been kind of looking at and watching. And it just seems like one of the most recent reports that I read on 247 is it was talking about um, that mutual interest between Ohio State and Cam Ward. What do you uh, have you seen anything on that or what's that looking like on your side? Yeah, I, I mean, I know there's kind of a handful of guys right now um that it seems like there's you know mutual interest with um but it's at the same time it's it's been a real confusing week because a lot of conflicting reports you know what i mean it's it's one of those things where unless you have you know unless the you know coaching staff is speaking on it or you know these guys themselves are speaking on it a lot of it is just all this hearsay you know um he said she said you know my coach my high school coach was talking to this other high school coach. And, you know, again, a lot of these guys have, um, have agents. So, you know, a lot of these discussions are happening kind of between agents and, you know, like these second hand uh, kind of people around the players, you know, so, so much rather than, you know, Ryan day directly talking to cam ward. So it's just, it's really confusing, you know, a lot of conflicting reports, you know, on one, one guy's saying, Oh yeah. Ward's a done deal to Ohio state. And then, you know, oh, it ain't there. nothing a done deal until, it's announced. No, no. Oh, I know that. I know that. And then, but then five minutes later, you see a report that says uh, Cam Ward has had zero contact with the highest state and is not interested in them. So it's it's very confusing right now, as far as that goes. You know, until you actually see like um, an official visit set up um, or something like that, it, it's just hard to tell. Um, but yeah, I, Cam Ward is kind of the number one guy on my list. You know, there's a few guys that we've reportedly been in contact with, you know, Cam Ward, um, Dante Moore from UCLA, Michael Pratt from Tulane, Riley Leonard from Duke, um, you know, still no Malik Murphy yet. But um, I I have also heard that, you know, there's some guys that we're interested in that have not entered the portal yet. So, you know, kind of looking forward to see who those guys are. Maybe it is Malik Murphy. Well, I don't think we'll see anything on Malik Murphy whatsoever until after the bowl season. Because I don't, yeah. they're not yeah. going to try to bring on that type of distraction to the team, um, being that they could, you know, potentially be playing for a national championship if they can win a 
a game. And sure. I, yeah, no, it's I, it's really interesting though with that the whole Texas quarterback situation. I mean, they've got a really solid quarterback room there with yours, uh, who's already made it very clear that he is coming back next year and he will be the starter. He's it's his job to lose type of situation for sure. Um, and some people might wonder like, Oh, why would he come back? Well, one, the draft class for quarterbacks this year is insanely heavy next year. It does not look heavy whatsoever at this point. So that would put him in a really good position to be a first round quarterback, potentially top, 15 top 10 uh, player, depending on how he plays next year. And two, another thing that people have got to consider is health. I mean, last year he had some injury issues after that hit from uh, Dallas Turner playing Alabama. And then this year he was hurt for quite a bit. So I think he's just wanting to be able to put a full season together and really get that draft stock up. Cause a lot of people don't realize like the bonus and salary drop off from first round to second round and then even like top 10 to outside of the top 10. I mean, it's, it's pretty significant. So you've got him sitting there and then you've got Malik Murphy who backed up for him uh, and started while he was injured and he did great. I mean, he, they won every game and, you know, um, it's, it's an interesting. And then of course you got Arch Manning sitting on the bench uh, he was redshirted this year, though, so I just – obviously, Archer Malik one's leaving, if not both, at this point, you would think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, and again, you know, the playoffs could absolutely be what's what's holding um, Malik Murphy up. A- absolutely. You know, he could just say, I'm focused on that, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see afterwards. But um, – the thing about it that is, though, you know, these these guys, I've already seen a few Alabama players um, have entered the portal, too. You know, they're in the playoffs as well. Um, so kind of interesting there. Haven't really seen any Michigan or Washington guys yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, that's fine. You know, Malik Murphy, if you if you that's your focus, you know, focus on the team. And that's great. Um, but the thing is about this portal stuff, man, you'll you, you've seen it the past um, few years is these guys, um, they don't, they don't wait around long, you know, with, with high school recruitment, it's, it's a totally different thing where, you know, these guys are getting recruited for, you know, years on end, you know, some of them three or four years and they've got their time to really, you know, visit all, all you know, 10, 20 schools and, and, to, you know, with these portal guys, these decisions come down pretty quickly. And, um, you know, these, these college, you know, coaches and stuff and, and even the players, you know, they want to get this thing done and um and over with so they know you know what to do for next season you know do we need to go get another guy do we need to what's what's plan a what's plan b what's plan c you know um so the thing about that is you know that's that's fine but you know malik murphy man if you if you want to transfer to one of these top programs like in ohio state or like a usc or in oregon which obviously oregon's not happening now but you know what i mean just the example of that is you know those those positions are going to get filled up pretty quick and um you know if if you you want to land at, a, in a, at another elite school like a Texas, man, you know, you, that's hard. Cause on one hand you gotta, you know, you want to do what's best for your team and respect your teammates and, you know, the fans and all that, but at the same time, man, for, for yourself, so to land yourself in the best position for for you to be successful personally, um, you don't, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait during this portal stuff, man. You gotta, you gotta get moving quickly. So. No, absolutely. And um, I do – one of the things that I've read, and this is probably more 
less interesting news with the portal. But I have seen just over the last few days that Colorado has brought in a couple of uh, offensive linemen, which is, I mean, if anybody's watched them play, they definitely need it. Um, Haven't seen too many defensive commits, but uh, I think that is pretty notable that they're at least acknowledging the issues that they've had this past season and working on it. But I do think that they need to focus on defense more than the offense. Um, And then also interesting enough is the Riley Leonard situation. Uh, Notre Dame just, it was, uh, I mean, I think everybody in the college football world outside of obviously Riley Leonard and uh, if he has an agent, and his family thought that Notre Dame was a done deal for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I did too. Like I said, you know, I, I talked about that last week, you know, how um, it, it looked like it was heading that way. You know, um, everybody was saying he was going to Notre Dame before the portal even opened up. Um, so, you know, again, whether, you know, whether it's between him and the coaching staff directly, there's clearly been conversations with, with him and Notre Dame going on for, you know, probably a couple weeks or so now, probably longer, who knows. Um, and he's had, you know, he's had this, this whole week that the portal has been open, you know, to be in communication with the staff or, to, I, I read that he visited a couple days, um, this week. And, and like I said, nine times, nine times out of 10, man, you see these guys, they, they pretty well know where they're going. As soon as that portal opens up, they've got it narrowed down to just a, a handful of schools, you know, maybe three or four. And, um, you know, they take that one visit, maybe two visits, and then they're making their decision. You know, this isn't, like I said, it's not like high school where you, you've got time to visit all these different schools. Um, so the fact that he came out of there, you know, he's had all these weeks to kind of negotiate an NIL deal and, you know, talk to the staff and visit the program. And the fact that he didn't commit um, kind of says something. It, it says that the door's open because, again, most, most of the time you would see him probably leave there um committed and you know getting it over with pretty quickly so um yeah it's it's kind of out there right now that he's um you know kind of trying to set up a visit with maybe ohio state i saw maybe auburn um a couple other schools you know besides notre dame so it's it's definitely leaving the door open for the buckeyes and um you know i kind of gave you my list you know cam ward's probably number one for me but um riley leonard's right there um for sure like he's a he's a guy that would absolutely come in and be an upgrade in the room and I would I would take him in a heartbeat no absolutely and one of the things I really hope to see in our bowl game is I really am hoping to see a decent uh display of Lincoln Keenholz I would love to see him actually get a legitimate opportunity and what he can do because obviously when he the couple two maybe three games that he actually got to see the field in, he might have gotten like three or four passing attempts. It was all just handing the ball off essentially, garbage time. Um, <clears throat> so I'd love to see what he can do. I'd love to see what Devin Brown has in store because I'm assuming at this point Devin Brown's probably going to start the bowl game. Um, but also you and I were talking about this. Devin Brown also got beat out this past season by Kyle McCord. And um, that's, that's a big deal. I understand, you know, he could absolutely have uh, improved significantly and he will have had to or have to in order to be the starting quarterback next year. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, again, it's funny, you know, I, I said, you know, on last podcast, that, oh, it looks like McCord's probably going to be the guy. And then now he's, you know, made me, made me look dumb, but um, yeah, I mean, Devin Brown's the next man up on the depth chart for sure. You know, so you have to think the opportunity's him and, you know, I love Devin Brown's mentality too. You know, that, that burn the boats reference, man, you know, the more I kind of studied that and, you know, just the more I think about Devin and just his, um, his mentality and how it's been since he's been at Ohio State, man, he he's just a completely different kid than um, than Kyle McCord. You know, Kyle McCord is that that kid that just doesn't show a lot of emotion. He doesn't show that fire, that passion, that competitiveness. Now, you know, uh, Ryan Day, you know, he says that behind closed doors, you know, he has that, you know, like in the locker room and stuff. He gives speeches and he can get fire or whatever, but you just don't see that. And 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 Devin Devin Brown is the complete opposite. You know, he's that kid that wears his heart on his sleeve, you know, like is going to be a great leader, JT Barrett sort of guy. Um, so I, I would love to see what he can do. And there's there's nothing in the world that would make me happier than for him to come out in that bowl game and just uh, just set the world on fire. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, he, he can go in there and, you know, show that he's, you know, he's the guy. And, you know, maybe if, if that's the case, we don't need a portal guy. You know, hopefully, yeah. you know, if we, could, if we could roll with him and Lincoln and, um, Aaron Nolan, you know, those, those are three guys with tremendous upside, you know, all athletic dual threat guys. I'd be okay with that. Absolutely. But, you know, um, and, and, and I hope Lincoln gets some time too, you know, maybe he'll, you know, how Devin had that kind of goal line package this year, maybe Lincoln will take that over and, you know, Devin will be the guy and then maybe they'll throw Lincoln in there in the, in the goal line or something like that. So, um, that would be great. You know, that, that'd be, that'd certainly be ideal, but at the same time, man, if Devin Brown comes out there and just uh, stinks up the field, that's <laughs> that's gonna make make things pretty interesting too. So we'll see how that goes. No, absolutely. And I mean, I would hope that other people are in the same boat that you know he's the guy that's going to be starting against Missouri. Then yeah, I want him to be ultra successful. I want him to come out and kill it. I think the big thing for me is <clears throat> we just need to ensure that we have a dual threat guy because I mean, you even see it at the pro level now that having that ability for your quarterback to run changes the entire landscape on how teams have to defend you. Um, I was actually just talking about this with my dad the other day. CJ Stroud runs all the time in the NFL, and it is the most frustrating thing to watch because it's like, dude, why? Why couldn't you do this in college? Like, what were you doing? Like, obviously, we saw it against Georgia, and he was phenomenal. Um, but I just think that the way that the quarterback position has developed over the years and what it has turned into, I mean, if you look at a lot of the top-end guys, even in the NFL and in college, they're all pretty much dual-threat guys. I mean, like, Bonex is a dual threat. Penix is a dual threat. Jaden Daniels is obviously a, a insanely elite dual threat quarterback, and that's why they're all three among the Heisman finalists. Um, Jalen Milrow, he's a dual threat. If you look at um, yours, is one of those guys. I would say he's he's not exactly a dual threat, but he can run if necessary. Kind of like um, J.J. McCarthy, I look at him in the same. So if you look at those top teams, though, 
almost every team has a dual threat or a quarterback capable of running. And I think just the way that Ohio State's foundation of our offensive unit is built is, I mean, I think it, I, I look back at the Terrell prior days and I mean, that's kind of when everything changed. Uh, I know a little bit with Braxton Miller, but it seems like Terrell Pryor um, and then obviously JT Barrett, that just kind of changed the way that Ohio State runs our offense forever. And we've had to go away from that. Obviously, we went away with a little bit with Stroud, but Stroud was also uh, an elite passer, so we could, we could afford to do that. But with McCord not being an elite-level passer, um, I think that kind of hindered us a lot in some ways, especially in some of those important games. Yeah. No, you, you bring up a great point. It's one of those things that I've, I've heard discussed a lot, um, you know, over the past few weeks and about Stroud, you know, you're right. Like he did not, he did not run at a high estate. And, um, you know, like I said, that's kind of a, um, I think that was more of an indictment on, on day than it was on him. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, people saying that, you know, they've heard day kind of, um, kind of discourages his quarterbacks from running. He's, he, he hasn't in the past, you know, been a fan of that. Like he, you know, he wants to, you know, use your weapons, you know, if you, if he, the play, play breaks down, you know, hit your check down, you know, you know, give it to the running back, you know, whatever, find your tight end, whatever it is. But, um, but again, I, I think he's, he's showing, you know, with his, um, his most recent recruitment of, you know, more dual threat guys, I think he's, he's showing that he's leaning, um, towards that. And obviously you, you saw him in, um, you know, in the Georgia game, you know, he, um, he let Stroud loose, you know, and, and Stroud was very effective running the ball. He, he ran all over Georgia. Um, so again, I think, you know, it, here in re- years past, you know, day has kind of discouraged those guys, um, from running, but I think he's, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, had a little change in, change in, change in heart with that. And I, I think, you know, he's going to, we're going to start seeing the, the dual threat, you know, RPO, uh, read option kind of stuff come back just uh, a, a little bit more. Probably not as heavy as, as Urban well. Meyer and the thing is, it, though, as you Urban can... was on it, but, um, I think it's I think it's coming back. Well, and I mean, we see Devin Brown could be that guy for RPO like that easily with those read options and stuff. I mean, he that's one thing I do love about Devin Brown is that he will put his head down and lower his shoulder and try to run through people. It almost gives me, obviously not as good, right? But it gives me those, like, Tebow vibes. And that's one thing I can always get with. I can always get with somebody that shows that type of toughness, a Tebow-esque type of toughness when it comes to the quarterback position. Um, Because all in all, we've seen time and time again, when when the quarterback is – playing hard-nosed football the rest of the team rallies behind that and I think that's kind of one of those uh leadership areas that we were lacking a little bit this year is we couldn't really get anybody to do that big step up like hey we're gonna uh I'm gonna be the person that leads by example doing this hard-nosed hitting and power play and um so I'm really curious to see what Brown can do um, but you never know. I mean, it is only December 9th, and uh, there's still 20 days until the bowl game, so Brown may not even be playing on the team anymore by then. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I, I mean, yeah, I, I, 
I think he'll be there, but again, you know, I I thought McCord was going to be there too. So, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, these kids, they uh, like I said the other day, man, they they change their mind every five minutes. So, um, especially if you know some another team come and throws a bag at at Devin Brown, you know, maybe USC comes in and says, hey man, we'll give you three mil to come out here and you know from to back to California where you're from or well he's from Utah I think, but I think he was originally from Cali or something like that. So. Yeah, you know, you never know. You never know. Um, we'll see, but. Well, and I think I actually sent this to you, and then I felt like an idiot after I sent it to you because um, I started actually doing a little bit more research into the whole NIL deals and uh, how much money is actually getting tossed around um, yeah. each year by programs. And there's been a lot of reports, and it, it's funny now looking at it, talking about how they're trying to cook up a – uh, Ohio State trying to cook up a $20 million NIL deal for Marvin Harrison Jr. And, yeah, yeah, these guys aren't making that much in NIL. I mean, you brought it up, what was it, last week that uh, Bronny James is making the most, and he's at like $9 million or $7 million. Yeah. Um, so, but again, though, I mean, I couldn't imagine being in college and even making, you know, a million dollars. Sure. Yeah, Actually, no. I'm I'm not in college, and I still couldn't imagine making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, absolutely. No. Yeah. You, you, you brought it up, and um, I, I'm glad you did because it was something I I have in my notes here. Yeah. There was there was a report that that you sent me, and um, it said that they were offering uh, Marvin Harrison, you know, first round pick uh type of money in the in the 20 to 25 million dollar range and i immediately went that is absolute baloney totally 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 bs um not even close and and unless unless jeff bezos or elon musk has all of a sudden started supporting high state and started dropping us some majorly large bags that is there's a zero percent chance of that happening I, i i went and looked at our um our entire team um, NIL valuation. And um, yeah, I mean, last year, Marv made 1.3 mil, you know, McCord had, was at like 600,000. Travion Henderson was at like 600,000. And anyways, I, I kind of did the math on everybody that I could find. And it, it looked like between the entire team, I mean, our, our entire, um, our, our entire roster, um, maybe a total of about 15 million, um, what has is what we spent last year on our entire team so to say you know to throw the report out there that um you know we're going to offer marvin alone 20 to 25 million it's just super irresponsible and just complete complete and utter bs um you know again would anybody love to have marvin around another year sure but um reports like that are are just absolutely ludicrous well and i mean we talked about this also I think, I mean, even then, it's still a stretch of how much money that is. But it'd be different if we had a shit wide receiver room, but we don't. Like, we have excellent receivers. And it's to the point where, I mean, I think that um, with Julian Fleming hitting the portal, I think a big part of that is he realizes how good some of those young guys are, and he thinks that he's not going to get that shot to be – the number one guy like Marv was this year. And so that's why he's, you know, packing up and going somewhere else so he can be the featured guy, which we have seen success with that in the past. I mean, look at Jamison Williams. 
he ended up winning a national championship with Alabama and looked insanely amazing. And he was not better than our first three guys. He was like fourth string, fifth string guy. And he hit the portal and went to Alabama and had a great success. And I mean, we've talked about this before as well, is that Fleming's a five-star guy. People don't remember that because he's been there, you know, a couple years, dealt with a little bit of shoulder issues. And um, I think there was quite a few times this year he didn't help his, uh, his, his stock either, uh, where he had dropped a few passes that were, you know, third down plays and stuff like that. But um, I would, I'd be willing to put it out there that he is one of the best blocking wide receivers for uh, in college football. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, to, to be honest, you know, we've had, I think I want to say 13, 14, uh, Buckeyes so far um, that have entered the portal and will probably be more. Um, but out of all of them, you know, the one that um, that probably hurts me the most, you know, again, you know, McCord out, you know, he was a starter, but, you know, I'll take somebody else over him, you know, chip train him. If that means Trey Henderson's back, that's fine. But um, Julian Fleming is probably the one that um, that, that hurt most to me. To me. Um, and again, you know, sure with, you know, Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis and, J.J. Smith and, you know, that receiver room we have coming, you know, was he going to be the number one, you know, targeted guy? Um, no, absolutely not. But, man, what a great – just what a great role player he is. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to be Marvin Harrison. You know, I just – just be that be that tough guy. Be that blocker. Be that smart player, the one that makes all the right decisions and, you know, just makes a big catch here and there uh, when you need to, you know, be a, be a leader for those young guys. You know, those, those guys like that are just – Super valuable. So, you know, I, I I hate seeing him go. I do. But like you said, I, I think he has a chance. You know, I, I kind of read that maybe he um, he might also be kind of looking at like uh, Nebraska or something. Maybe he follows uh, McCord there. Um, Penn State is another, you know, he's from Pennsylvania um, as well. You know, so he, that could be another another program that he could be potentially heading to or something. But yeah, I Fleming, man, I, I absolutely State. love him. I, I he was a he was a great Buckeye, and you know I totally wish him the best, man. I, I really hope he goes and balls out somewhere for sure. I think he missed out on a great, great opportunity to be the leader of the wide receiver room. Yeah. And a lot of people get that misconstrued when I say leader of the wide receiver room. They're thinking, oh yeah, you know, wide receiver one. No, it doesn't mean you're wide receiver one. That means that you're that guy that's going to center everybody's gravity and rein them in when they need to be reined in. You're going to coach them up when they need to be coached up. doesn't mean that you're getting all the targets, yards, and touchdowns. It just means that you're that veteran presence that – because our wide receiver room is going to be young next year. And um, I know Tate's been there. Uh, he was there this past season. and But it's different when you're all of a sudden now – wide receiver one or wide receiver two, and you're starting. Um, I think that changes a lot of things. Um, but we're also still up in the air on Emeka Buka. Um, I, I just saw a thing today that he's projected to be picked 20th overall and go to the um, Texans, potentially, if, you know, depending on how the draft order shakes out. So, I just – I don't foresee him giving up first-round, especially, uh, yeah, first-round money and first-round pick 
uh, draft stock. I, it's one of those, not to be uh, a jerk, but at the end of the day, Ohio State is still trying to figure out their quarterback situation. And the last thing you'd want to do is come back thinking, okay, well, maybe I can make myself a top 10 pick and not have a firm understanding of like, hey, this is going to be the quarterback. This is already in the system. So just a lot, I think there's too much um, unknown for him to come back, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I mean, Emeka, like I said, he's, he's a guy that I've heard, you know, kind of conflicting reports on too, you know, at the, going into the beginning of the year, um, he was a, a surefire uh, first round pick. And then, you know, once, once he got injured, you know, he started kind of falling down um, draft boards a little bit, obviously, you know, he, he had a little bit of an injury history, you know, his stats fell off and, and things like that. But um, like you said, yeah, some of the most recent mock drafts that I've looked at as well also have him kind of in the late, uh, late first round. So uh, again, it's just kind of depend on what he hears from, from the NFL. You know, these guys, um, they all do their research. You know, the NFL usually gives them like a kind of like a grade, you know, they'll say like, Oh yeah, you're a first, second round guy. You're a third, fourth round guy. You know, they, they know roundabout where they're going to go. Um, so if he's, if he's hearing, you know, that he's kind of a for sure, surefire, um, late first round guy, maybe early second round at, at most. Um, then yeah, again, most likely he's gone. You know, with his injury history, it'd probably be a big risk. Um, you know, to come back and like you said, not knowing who the quarterback is, and you know, maybe getting hurt worse. You know, and, and your your value just completely tanking. So um, yeah, Mecca is a guy that at this point I probably have is gone. You know, some people think otherwise, but I I would certainly think he's leaning that way. Well, and that kind of brings you back to Trevion Henderson. Um, I feel like with his injury history, that's what would surprise me if he came back. Because if you think about it, for the last two seasons, he really hasn't been able to be 100%. This year he had like little uh, glimpses of being 100%. But um, it just it he still missed quite a few games, and um, it's one of those. I, I didn't see what he was projected, but I mean, if he's a late first round guy, early second round guy, I feel like that's a really there's a lot to consider there because again, you're in that situation of do you want a risky injury and get hurt and not be able to. Um, you know, play in the NFL at that point, because we also know that running backs have a very, very short shelf life in the NFL now. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, it's, he's the, the same as Emeka for sure. You know, a guy with a little bit of injury history, like you said, you know, running backs of, of any position group have, have the shortest, uh, the shortest lifespan in the NFL um, for sure. So if you can go get that money and, you know, try to, you know, try to get some of that money while you, while you can, you know, you got to take it. But, um, you know, I don't know. He, this could be one of those rare cases. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, again, 99 times out of a hundred, those guys are gone. But, um, and you know, every now and then you do have that guy that his heart's just, you know, his heart's just still there and he wants to, he wants to give it another go and, you know, maybe show that he is more durable and that he can put a full season together and, and try to beat Michigan and win an Addy and all that stuff. So um, who knows? Yeah. If uh, personally, like I said, I always try to, I I try to separate myself, you know, in these situations a little bit um, from being a fan to, you know, to being a a person and a a father and things like that, because, you know, as a fan, 
obviously, you know, you're going to sit here and be like, please, oh, please, for the love of God, please come back, please come back. But, you know, when you put yourself in the kid's shoes and, you know, his family and stuff, you know, you, you, you want to do you want the kid to do what's best for him. You know, I always try to think of like, what if, if this were my son or my brother or somebody like that, you know, um, you know, I would, I would be saying, man, get, you know, thanks for being a Buckeye. You've done great. You know, you, you gave it your best, but man, you got to get out of here and you got to go get, uh, you know, go, go get that money while you still can. And um, so again, what's best for him? Um, you know, he'll decide that I, I would personally think he probably would, uh, would benefit the most from leaving. But um, if he comes back, man, I'm, I would be, I'd be ecstatic. And, you know, speaking of that, of um, thanks for playing at Ohio State, this might be shifting gears a little bit. So I don't, do you have any other um, on just kind of the most recent portal stuff that you wanted to add to? Cause I do want to touch on another point. No, yeah, no, I think we I think we hit that hit the, hit, the, hit the portal pretty good, man. Yeah, we're go wherever you want to go. So, you and I were discussing this last week and, or actually this past week, not last week. Um one of the things that I want to put into perspective for a lot of people out there, especially Ohio State fans, is we were talking about the Michigan game and we were talking about um the difference in what it means and if it matters, if it doesn't matter. And from the player perspective, I mean, if you look this past year going into it, Kyle McCord said it's just another game. If you look at the year before that, CJ or CJ Stroud said, oh, it's just another game, no big deal. And a lot of Ohio State fans get mad about that and they say, no, no, this is the game. This is the the rivalry. And it's yes, it's the rivalry. Don't get me wrong, but on the same front, it's not what it was. And the big thing for me, and we were talking about this, is all these players that we have on our team. I, I mean, I don't know specifically where they're all from, but I would be willing to say that probably less than twenty percent are from Ohio. Yeah, yeah, and- I um. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and it's just one of those things like like we grew up hating Michigan. We were always like instructed and formed to hate Michigan. And if you think about it, like uh, you get a California kid that gets over on the team and it's like, why would a California kid all of a sudden just overnight be like, yeah, hate him. You know what I mean? It's not realistic. Yeah. And I think that's what's kind of killed the rivalry is that we're no longer – in that that um that stage of our football uh our program where the only thing that matters is beating Michigan every year. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like um this was uh this was, you know, like I said, there's a couple topics, you know, the past couple of weeks I've wanted to get to and um this was one of them for sure. Um this, you know, does being from Ohio matter thing and um you know, it, it's when you look at like coaches and players, you know, um, again, you know, our, our, some of our top, our, our best three coaches of all time, you know, Woody Hayes, Jim Trussell and Urban Meyer were all born and born and raised in Ohio. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got, you know, Ryan Day did not, you know, and then, you know, when you look back at some of those guys teams, you know, Woody Hayes and Jim Trestle and some of those older, older guys, you know, back in the day, you could field a team of, like you said, you know, probably, 
80, 20, um, you know, probably 80% of your roster was from Ohio, born, raised um, from Ohio, grew up knowing exactly what the Michigan game meant, you know, hating Michigan and, you know, maybe that other 20% was out of state. And um, these days it's different. You know, Urban Meyer um, is kind of the guy who started that transition towards uh, national recruiting. You know, Jim Trestle, his classes even were mostly Ohio guys and then a few national guys here and there. And Urban Meyer came in and he he totally changed that. Um, he, he took recruiting national. And, um, you know, on one hand, that's part of his success was, you know, going going into Florida, going into Texas, going into Georgia, California, Alabama, you know, and, and, and landing some of these top elite, elite level talent that Ohio had never got before. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting, you know, just thing I've wanted to talk about a little bit, you know, does, how much does it matter? And again, uh, from a, from a talent perspective, you know, we, we've definitely upgraded, you know, we've been, you know, we've became nationally relevant, um, year in and year out. Not that Ohio state, you know, hasn't ever been, but you know, urban took it to a different level and, and um, it's interesting for sure. You know, these guys are, are coming from states where, you know, they grew up, a I don't know, a Tennessee fan or a, a Florida Gators fan, you know, they don't give a crap about Michigan, you know? So it's, it's interesting to think, you know, like you said, with McCord saying it's just a game and Stroud saying something to a similar effect, you know, has that, has that killed the rival rivalry a little bit, you know? Sure. Probably. Absolutely. So I, it's a, it's an interesting well, thing. One of the other things to take under consideration is, like you said, we are that national elite program. And I mean, year in and year out, it was literally, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson for the longest time. And then they're like, who's going to be the fourth? And that's how it always was. And one year it's Washington, one year it's Notre Dame, one year, you know, Michigan State made it. We didn't get there. Um, and you know, our focus as a program is always on the national championship. And whether this is dog in the Michigan program or not, I don't really care. But they're still like their their main concern every year is trying to beat Ohio State, trying to prove like they're better than us. And, and it, you know, like I said, I'll, I gave them their credit. They've won the last three. That's fine. It is what it is. But we're in a still a different level than them. Sure, they're playing in the college football playoff this year, and we're not. But if you look at last year, you could tell our program still, despite losing to them, at a whole other level. They got absolutely troused by a crappy – I don't want to say crappy, but not great – TCU team. And we're literally – a field goal kick away from beating Georgia and we would have easily went on to beat TCU for the national championship. That's the difference in our programs. And you're going to see it um, as much as I don't want Alabama to win the national championship. I'm pretty sure they're going to They're the way they're playing. And like I said, there's just something about Nick Saban. And when he gets in those playoff games, um, I think Michigan's going to be in for a rude awakening and I'm, I'm willing to put out there they're probably going to get beat by two touchdowns in the first round. And then they're going to go, oh, we still made it. We beat you. And, again, because they live right now for playing Ohio State. Yeah, Just my simple take on that. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, for the last 
um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever we've been, we've been chasing different things, you know, for sure. You know, we've dominated the rivalry all these years. So, um, we, we kind of took our sights off of them a little bit and we started working, working on, you know, we're going to do everything we can to beat Alabama and Georgia and Clemson. You know, we, we're, we're we don't care about Michigan anymore. We're going to do whatever it takes to, to beat the big dogs. And, um, you know, we've took our sights off of Michigan a little bit, whereas Michigan was, was the opposite, you know, their, their whole sole purpose in life and everything was to, was to get on, you know, try to get on our level, you know, we'll say, so, you know, you're right. You know, our, our priorities kind of changed a little bit. Um, you know, where we're a bigger priority for them than, than they are for us. And, um, you know, again, with that, with that 12 team playoff coming, it's, it's a whole different, whole different world we're entering, we're entering into, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit before, but this Michigan game, man, it's, it's just keeps getting devalued and, um, it, it's going to be like basketball, you know, any, any Ohio state fan that watches Buckeye basketball, you know, we have to play Michigan two or three times. And, you know, when we lose to them, it's, it's whatever you're like, you know, maybe we split with them, you know, we win the first game, they win the second game. It is what it is. And unfortunately that's just kind of where it's heading with, um, for football too, you know, the, the rivalry nickname is called the game, right? You know, that capital the, it's the game because it's that one game a year. Well, guess what? We're, we're heading into an era where we might have to play Michigan in football two, maybe three times, in a season, you know, the regular season game. Plus if we're the top two teams, you're going to have to turn around and face them in the big 10 championship game. Plus if we, you both make it to the playoffs, you can meet each other there too. So it's not the game anymore. And it's just, um, I am sorry, Buckeye fans. Again, I, I hate them too. I really do. But you know, that top priority is, is, is now, and will always be, you know, winning the natty, you know, the, the, like you said, they're they're not our Super Bowl anymore. You know, back in the day they used to be, and it's just it's it's never going to be that way again. I, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. No, I I'm right there with you, dude. Completely and wholeheartedly agree with that. That's just it, that's the way it is. And um, like I say, I mean, had had we kicked that field goal through and won the national championship last year, not a living soul would care that Michigan beat us twice in a row. Only the Michigan fans are like, ah. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. And, yeah. and you know, um, it just, it cracks me up. It, it, it really does. And, like I say, if Alabama has to win another national championship and I got to listen to their fan base talk about the SEC, and the rest of the SEC teams, which that still cracks me up. Like, sure, I want Big Ten teams to win their bowl game, but, like, people that root for the entire SEC conference, I feel like that's just the weirdest thing to me. It's like, dude, like, I get it. Your team sucks, and you have to root for an entire conference. Um, It's weird. It's weird. I will never root for Michigan. I literally hope they get absolutely (laughs) – demolished by Alabama and and when they say oh see this is why Bama's in instead of Florida State that's fine I'm okay with that um yeah yeah that always always kills me sorry the people who say I want I want Michigan to win every single game until we play them I'm like I want them to lose every single game I don't know about you but I don't I don't I never understood that yeah like I I do not like them. Why would I want somebody that I don't like to win? Just like every week, 
I was hoping that Alabama would lose, Georgia would lose. Like, I always hope that every top five team besides us loses every week. I don't know if that's weird, but that's like – that's because that's only going to increase our odds for a championship. So, yep. now you did mention to me earlier this week, and I'm hoping that I'm not putting you on the spot here. Um, yeah. You had a hypothetical for me that you wanted to lay out. Do you still have that or – um, not really a hypothetical, um, but I do, I have another, I don't know what you would call it, comparison or sort of thought provoking little thing on the rivalry that I've, I've, I've seen a lot. So one of the things, you know, kind of sticking with the, you know, being from Ohio thing, um, you know, on the rivalry, um, you know, I, I, I touched on, you know, like Woody Hayes. Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer, all born, raised in Ohio, loved Ohio State. Um, Ryan Day did not. He was born and raised in um, New Hampshire. You know, he um, floated around different places, you know, coached in different places. You know, he's not an Ohio guy. And um, some of my, let's say my older friends um, have, you know, kind of made that indication with that's one of the things they don't like about Ryan Day. Um, they, they don't like that. He's not from Ohio. Um, and the other thing, you know, the comparison that keeps getting brought up is between him and John Cooper. So this is, yes. So this is is what I, what I've really been burning to, um, to talk about a little bit, because for, for those of you who don't know, let me just set the stage here for one second. John Cooper was the Ohio State coach from, I, I believe, 1988 to 2000. And that period of time when John Cooper was Ohio State's head coach, um, for Buckeye fans that, that grew up in that era, um, was a nightmare. Um, now, were we a terrible program? You know, did we have losing records every year? No. Um, but we had the worst, um, you know, kind of – dry spell as far as beating Michigan. They, they absolutely dominated us during that period of time. You know, we did not have any national championships. I think I want to say we only had, he only went to the big 10 championship, maybe like maybe only one time or something that he won. You know, we, we were kind of like nine and two uh, or sorry, like 10 and two, uh, eight and four, nine and three, you know, it was a very mediocre stretch for the Buckeyes. And the, the thing that's similar that, you know, people keep saying about Ryan Day, oh, he's, he's just John Cooper, he's just John Cooper, because they are, the, they are both, in Ohio State's history, the only two coaches now that have lost three straight games to Michigan. So just before I kind of throw in all of my stats and stuff that I have here, um, what do you think about that? So just to give you a little context behind that, um. So his record with Ohio State was 111, 43, and 4. He has the second most wins as a tenured Ohio State coach behind Woody Hayes at 205. Um, They did share three Big Ten titles, which was in 93, 96, and 98. So he did 13 seasons. Yep. I've heard that too. I've heard a lot of people say, Hey, you know, he, um, 
he he would win a bunch of games but could never beat Michigan. And the thing is, I mean, one argument you could make as a, a uh, critical fan is that, hey, the only year that Ryan Day beat Michigan was his first year as the coach, and that was with Urban's team. And, it, I mean, it is an interesting enough argument. Um, I wouldn't put him necessarily at John Cooper, right? Because we're still winning double-digit games each season before the bowl game. So it's really hard to – like, if, if we had, like, two, three, four lost seasons here and there, yeah, I absolutely would. But also, we're in an era now where if an Ohio State coach had a three-game losing season and a two-game losing season, like, back-to-back, they probably wouldn't be the head coach anymore. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. when you look at John Cooper and his record now, I mean, it – he wouldn't have stood. He would have been fired for sure. (laughs) And I can see, like I say, I can understand. I think a lot of people bring that up for the comparison of the, he couldn't beat Michigan. Right. And my, I mean, realistically, my only knock on Ryan day truthfully is just lack of aggression. Like, I thought we were going to see the guy from Notre Dame, and we just hadn't seen it the rest of the season. And it doesn't seem like he – I don't know. I don't want to say he doesn't possess the, the aggressiveness, but, I mean, one of the – for me, it's just like I really, really like Dan Lanning at Oregon. He coached – in my opinion, he coaches – how if I were a coach, that's how I would coach. I would be going for it on fourth down. Obviously not every time, but um, a lot of the times he's the same guy that's like, oh, it's, you know, first and goal at the two. I'm going to run a quarterback sneak four times. And I just don't think – I don't know what holds day back from being aggressive, and I think that's one thing I don't like. But as far as putting him at the same level as John Cooper, I think that's pretty asinine because, again, he's still getting 10 win seasons like every year. Yeah. Yeah. What about so you? What's I, your take there? Yeah, no, thanks. I, I, um, I, I again, like I, I have heard this several, several times. Oh, Ryan Day is just, just John Cooper. Okay. Um, that's fine. But it like, let's, let's dive into that for a second. You know, I mean, so, like you said, John Cooper coached, you know, 12, 13 years or whatever, had 40, 43 losses total in, in, in those seasons, made three conference titles, never made it to a single national championship game, you know, had a hard time beating Michigan, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, it, it's hard, you know, on, on sample size, you know, overall, um, you know, it, John Cooper's first five seasons, he had 21 losses. Um Ryan Day's first five season, he only has seven losses, and they've all been to elite teams. He has already been to two conference, had two conference titles, made it to a national championship game, and kind of basically two, right? And we've talked about that. If you count last year against Georgia, which was essentially the national championship game, so that right there, his stats are already better. And again, I, I bet if I guarantee you, I'll put any any amount of money that anybody wants to put on this. When we look back in twelve years, 
you know, what what for Ryan Day and compare his losses to John Cooper, I promise it's going to be drastically different, right? And you know, Day, it's kind of the old situation too of where you're comparing two different eras, right? Like it's like when people, you know, let's compare Babe Ruth to Aaron Judge. You know what I mean? It's like two completely different periods of time, two completely different situations, you know, back in the day, John Cooper, all he had to do was, was coach. He could go out and get 20 players from Ohio every single year and not have to worry about recruiting national kids. Didn't have to worry about NIL. Didn't have to worry about transfer portal. Didn't have playoffs. Didn't have all these different, you know, outside factors to worry well, about. And no, the big thing, here's the big difference outside of all those things that you just named is media and social media. Yeah. I mean, sure. TV existed, but let's be real here. The coverage that this stuff gets, I mean, literally you see new articles written every single day about these elite programs every day. So it's, it's, it's just at a whole nother level. And that's why like, not to get too far off topic, but that's yeah. why I always say, like, you can't compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Like, yeah. Jordan went through the best era. The expansion, TV just started getting globalized. Like, he globalized the game, but he never had to deal with any of, like, the social media and all that stuff that LeBron has dealt with his entire career. So, yeah. it just – you can't – it's two completely different – scenario i mean it's literally apples to oranges right yeah no exactly and you're you're you're, like you just said you know jordan and lebron will always forever be compared but what's the only word you ever hear when they're comparing those two people championships they're they're using one (laughs) (laughs) they're using this is where my my kind of next point on this was going is you know everybody just says rings that's the that's championships that's the one thing that everybody always brings up about the two Nothing else. And that's that's what I, I think people are locked in on with Ryan Day and John Cooper is just Michigan, right? You're using – you're looking at an entire body of work and in all these different factors, all these different statistics, but you're focusing on one. You are, you are using a single metric to measure two people, right? Well, they've both lost three straight to Michigan, so they are exactly equal. And that is just completely asinine because, again, my comparison here was – Let's use this logic against them. So um, if we're looking at one single metric, then that means that Aaron Rodgers and Nick Foles, okay? Aaron Rodgers and Nick Foles, what do they have in common? They have both won one Super Bowl, okay? So if we're using this logic, if we're using that logic, Aaron Rodgers and Nick Foles are the exact same quarterback. They're they're both going to be – congratulations, Nick Foles. I'm going to announce this for you, buddy. You're going to be a first-team – first-ballot Hall of Famer. Congratulations. That's great. So, again, you're using one single thing. They both have a Super Bowl win, so that's, that means they're exactly the same quarterback. Like, you know, you, you, let's, let's, you know, just, I don't know. It's just it's, it's crazy to me that people lock in on stuff like that. Um, we're going to use one thing. We're going to pick one statistic that we want to build a narrative around to compare two people. And uh, I just I don't think it's fair, but, you know, that's, that's Buckeye fans. So just something I – You, you know, got to think about this, though. I would be willing to bet that eh, 90% or 85% of the people that are making that comparison and complaint are 
of the boomer generation. <laughs> because that's all they still care about. That's all they care. That's the only thing. They don't care about winning national championships. They only care about beating Michigan. And don't get me wrong. I know it sounds like I don't give a shit. I want to beat Michigan every single year. Every single year. That's I'm not trying to take away from that. But I want to compete for a national championship every single year. And I think that's the big difference is that that generation, that's all they ever cared about. Like they, especially like the boomer, boomer generation, they got to see some of the, I, I want to say some of the tail end or part of the Woody Hayes uh, generation. And they look at it from that aspect, like, oh yeah, you know, he went out there and said, I went for two every time because I couldn't go for three. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's like that mentality like that they like to stick with. But then the second that, you know, like the same population group were all whining about how Ryan Day made a comment towards Lou Holtz. They were like, oh, yeah, how are they going to go after an 85-year-old man? That's like, okay, well, so it's okay for Lou Holtz to sit there and talk shit on the couch. But then when we go out and prove it, Jay's not allowed to say anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they've always had that saying. That's just that generation. They, they, they're the generation. They're allowed to do whatever, say whatever. But the second something said back, it's like, oh, that's disrespectful. And it's like, <laughs> no, Grandpa, go to bed. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, again, you know, the other part of that, too, was, you know, I guess sort of back to the Ohio thing, um, Jim Cooper, I guess, I, I, or sorry, John Cooper, I forget where he was from. I want to say it was like Tennessee or something, but um, yeah, he also wasn't from Ohio. So again, that's just one of the things I've heard. Ah, we need an Ohio guy in there. We need a guy that's from Ohio. And, and again, I, I, that's fine. If, if all you want to do is beat Michigan and you don't care about winning national championships, Ooh. that's all, that's all good. But um, just, uh, just interesting. What coach from Ohio can come in and do the exact same job that Day's doing or better? Exactly. Exactly. That's what, yeah, that's I, what people fail to understand. It's yeah. like, oh, we need to get this, that, or the other. It's like, well, well who's going to do it better? Sure. And it's like, yeah, who, exactly. who are we going to pull off the streets? And that's <laughs> like even in the – like nationally, the only person that I would say is even remotely close – was um, like Jimbo Fisher. Like, yeah, if we brought Jimbo Fisher to our program, he just left Texas A&M, he'd probably, he'd probably do a pretty good job, I would imagine. But again, is it going to be better? Probably not. Right. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good argument. I, again, you know, everybody wants to fire Day, and it's like, okay, that's fine. Who are you getting to replace him? Who, who are you getting? And again, like you mentioned – and so many Buckeye fans have, and hell, I'd, I'd welcome it too. Dan Lanning, man, he is the absolute like up and comer. Like he's gonna get, he's gonna get a bag thrown his way, and he's, you know, I, I would almost put some money on it that maybe he might take over like Bama when you know when Saban retires here in a couple of years. He's gonna be the hottest name, hottest name out there. You know who knows? But you know, to me, again, you know, people say, um, let's get rid of Day. Um, I've heard a lot of people say like, please, you gotta do everything you can to get Mike Vrabel. I've already said this before. Mike Vrabel is never leaving the NFL. It doesn't matter if he gets fired tomorrow. He will land back at another NFL job. If he has to take an, an NFL 
defensive coordinator, strength coach, um, hell, personal trainer, whatever he has to do, he is never coming back to college football. He's not. And then, you know, Luke Fickle, right? He's probably the biggest Ohio name out there as, as far as I know, right? But is Luke Fickle an upgrade over Ryan Day? Are you well, kidding I'm me? pretty sure we already tried that. Yeah, well, okay, that doesn't count. Kind of. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, For sure. No. Like, and I love what Luke has, you know, what he's been able to do with his career since leaving. But, again, it's one of those, is it, is it an upgrade? And if it's not an upgrade, then why do it? And that's the failure that, like, like I said, if you want to get rid of them, fine. But my condition is for getting rid of them is that whoever comes in better be the exact same or better. Yeah, boy. Otherwise, yeah. what are we doing? We're, we're just swapping coaches and changing an entire system for, what, appeasing the small percentage of Ohio State fans that are never satisfied? Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's – yeah, I mean, it's a – it's an interesting thought, and um, my here's my thoughts on how I hope the future plays out, and I, and I think this would kind of work best for all parties involved. Like, in my opinion, this is my hope, my dream, and, and it should be probably Buckeye fans' dreams too, and that's that I hope to God our future Ohio State coach for the long term is already on staff. And I, I, I kind of hope that's Brian Hartline, and then the other guy if it's Agreed. not him. If it's not Brian Hartline, you know, I hope it's James Laurinaitis. Those are the two guys that are on our um, – or soon to be, wink, wink, on our staff, hopefully, James Laurinaitis. Um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, eventually maybe, you know, Ryan Day, however long he intends to coach, um, hands it off to one of those guys someday. Maybe, you know, I, I hear everybody says like, oh, you know, give Day another four or five years and then he'll probably be off to the NFL or something, which I don't know. It could be – that could be true. He might, he might want an NFL job. I don't know. But, you know, again, if, if in the next 5 to 10, 15 years, eventually he can hand it off and, um, you know, Hartline or Laurinaitis could be our coach, that, that would just be the best of both worlds because they're both young guys. They both played at Ohio State. Uh, you know, they have that, I guess, hatred for Michigan. But at the same time, man, they're really, really, really well-liked by players. I mean, they are like two up-and-coming elite-level recruiting guys like – it would just work best for uh, for everybody involved. And, you know, so if, if any Buckeye fans want to get back to having an Ohio guy, you know, or an Ohio State guy, I guess, because James Lawrence is, Laurinaitis is actually from, I think, Minnesota. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Heartline or Laurinaitis, man, if they could be our head coach future in the future, man, that would be that would be phenomenal. Personally, I would love for it to be Brian Heartline. Um, he yeah. Yeah. has continuously stayed loyal with Ohio State when he could have already – been somewhere else and potentially the head coach of another program. Uh, but he continuously is loyal to us and what he has done with Ohio state and our wide receiver room is just insanely next level elite player development, coaching, um, just the impact that he has on the Buckeyes team is so invaluable Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, I love Heartline. And so the kids, man, the players, the players love him to death. There's a reason he gets the uh, number one receivers every year. And man, I'm telling you what Buckeye fans, 
There's a kid named Jeremiah Smith, J.J. Smith, who is the next thing. Like, like I said, you know, everybody wants Marv to come back, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this J.J. Smith kid is the real deal. I mean, he is light years ahead of where Marv was coming out of high school. You know, Marv was a good prospect coming out of high school. He was a good player, but he wasn't, he wasn't what you see today, man. He worked his butt off to become that. J.J. Smith is, ooh, he's, He's going to be a freak. So, yeah, I, I can't can't wait for next year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be um, – it's going to be exciting. But I, I definitely want to make sure we uh, still focus on this bowl game because we got a lot of oh, sorry. next year implications based on this bowl game, I think. I think this bowl game is going to really be a big factor in our QB room. Um, it's going to be – a big factor with our uh, running back room. I mean, and I think this is another thing to look out for, for those of you that are wondering what's going to happen with Trey Henderson is if he does not play in this bowl game against Missouri, that's probably going to tell you what the writing is on the wall is that he's more than likely not going to come back. If he's going to go to the NFL, if he plays in the bowl game, then there's still a chance that he's going to come back to Ohio state in my opinion. Because otherwise, yeah. why play and risk an injury one last game for the Cotton Bowl? You know what I mean? It's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah, I got a little, I got a little carried away there. I got a little excited talking about JJ Smith. And that's again, that's how our these recruiting guys that I I talk about as far as myself. That's how we are. You know, we see these guys that we have committed for the next two or three years, and we just get so excited about seeing them on the field that we kind of skip ahead a little bit. So yeah, my bad. You know, back to focus on bowl game <laughs> and um, hopefully, you know, coming up um, this week, you know, the Buckeyes are set to get back and, you know, really, um, you know, start hammering the bowl prep and, you know, getting real, uh, real serious about practicing and getting ready for the Missouri game. So, you know, hopefully this week, you know, we'll get some, um, some press conferences with the coaches and the players and maybe get a little bit more clarity on, you know, who's playing, who's not, and, you know, see what stuff uh, starts to come out there as far as who was, who we're going to have available. Um, for well, Missouri, so hopefully we can get some uh, get some clarity on that. The other tough thing, and this is just Ryan Day and the way that he is, is he doesn't like to give stuff away whatsoever. And um, so we may not get a true list of who's playing and who's not until the day of, <laughs> like literally the game, the pregame press conference where he might say, oh, yeah, you know, these guys are questionable. Um, I mean, shoot, we watched that. Oh, I think it was the week that we played in Maryland with uh, Emeka Buka, and he said, oh, yeah, or maybe it was with Trevion Henderson that game. He said, oh, yeah, he's a game-time decision. And they pan out to him, and he was he was wearing jeans. Like <laughs> – he does not like to give any information whatsoever. So that's going to be a tough part. But with the way that everything is nowadays with social media, though, you could easily just see one of these kids be like, oh, yeah, going to the NFL. Yeah. 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 You never know. Like you said, it could come right up to the game. But, um, you know, these media people, man, they're going to be hammering these kids on trying to want them to make a decision and stuff. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to add in? Is there any other uh, pondering 
questions or is that something that you might want to say for the next episode? No, no, I, I, I think I got most of it out. Um, like I said, the one thing I told you that I, you know, again, it's a, it's a rumor at this point, but um, you know, again, these rumors uh, can transition to facts pretty quickly. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely reading you again. It's floating around on the message boards, you know, from stuff coming out of the Woody Hayes that, um, there could be a couple coaching changes on hand coming. You know, I, I talked about Parker Fleming, you know, the special teams coach, um, you know, hopefully getting out of there and, you know, getting James Laurinaitis in on the staff full time. And um, I'm, I'm hearing that that could be coming to fruition. Um, the other thing that's out there is that uh, maybe Corey Dennis, who's our uh, current quarterback coach, kind of, even though it's really day, um, that he uh, he also might be moving on or being encouraged to move on. So could have an opening at, um, at quarterback coach. A um, couple of the names out there that Buckeye fans want to see, you know, whether they're realistic or not, I don't know. Uh, JT Barrett maybe. Um, Kenny Guyton, who is currently acting as the OC at Arkansas. So two former Buckeye quarterbacks that were great leaders, great players um, that could come in and maybe fill that job. Um, or he could go after a veteran guy. Um, we don't know. So again, well, curious to see over the, you know, probably won't the coaching decisions, you know, probably won't come out, um, until after the bowl game, I'm, I'm going to guess, but probably after the new year, I would assume. Yeah. Kind of, kind of looking like there might be a couple coaching changes coming. So we'll be, uh, I will say, I would love to see what JT Barrett can do and that type of, cause he's always been a phenomenal leader. And, I mean, obviously, he was a great mentor uh, to that entire organization when he was there. So, I, I'd love to see him get an opportunity and see what maybe he can do, especially if we are going to try and go back towards that um, RPO quarterback option type of plays. Like, I mean, the dude was a master specialist in those. So, I would – love to see what he could do for Ohio State in the program. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll um I'll have to find out because if you you know if if people are on you remember you heard my um JT Barrett story, you know me and him are pretty tight. So I'll I'll text him sometime this week and see if I can get any info <laughs> on that. You know, we're we're pretty cool like that. <laughs> oh shoot, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. I know we're 85 minutes deep here, so um, I'm looking forward to next week because I've got some uh, planning and some stuff that I'm going to try to throw your way. I just got to do some Ooh. research okay. to follow up on it this week. And um, I'm going to make you think about it. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Hey, and yeah, before we, before we hop off too, I know I kind of, I already threw this at you last night, but, um, uh, my, my uncle Chuck, I've, I've dropped him, his name a couple of times. He's, uh, him and my, uh, my cousin, uh, she's a sophomore in high school. They're, they're going to be traveling down to, uh, Marshall university tomorrow on, um, on Sunday morning. She's going to a softball camp. She's a stud softball player up in, uh, Westerville, Ohio. So, they're heading down there, and um, I mean, he would really like some content to listen to on the way down, including his uh, his beautiful nephew's voice. Um, so if we could get this episode out before that, maybe you could get it up tonight. You know, no pressure. This is your decision, but <laughs> just saying. So if, Chuck, you know, if you're listening to this right now, man, appreciate you. Hannah, go do your thing, girl. 
Um, so hopefully we can get this out so they can listen to it on their uh, little road trip. No, absolutely. I do want to give a big shout out to Chuck as well. Um, I love that I have people and you have people like that in the regular listen and they tune in looking for us in this podcast and asking i love when somebody sends me a message and asks like hey when's the next episode coming out and i'm like hey we don't suck (laughs) (laughs) so yeah for sure he he told me uh he said this last episode he said he he's been listening to it like all week he said he's been trying to trying to get it in he said like you know you know he'll catch pieces of it here and there and like he'll he'll start listening to like uh a certain part of it each night because he's like i forget where i where i left off and stuff and he said my aunt keeps giving him hell because she's like chuck you've already listened to that part so he's, he's trying, to, <laughs> well, trying to catch up on it as- <laughs> at least there's one fan in that household <laughs> <laughs> exactly so oh so, yeah, shoot man, I, that's funny I love it. I love yeah it. man for sure um yeah that's all i got we'll uh we'll reconvene i know you and i will as this ever developing portal continues to change every single day uh i will definitely get this episode out whether it's later this evening tonight or if it's uh early tomorrow morning when i wake up for the gym um definitely going to make sure i get it out so they've got something to listen to and uh so that way we can actually be relevant because last (laughs) week's episode the last like 35 minutes of it was just irrelevant because McCord was like, all right, see ya. It's like, well, yeah, they're with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to try to get ahead of the news, man, for sure. Don't want to, don't want to get left behind. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely during the, the week to week stuff. Like we've got time and you know, to, Oh, I can take like an extra, like two or three days before I post something. If I want to put something together or think about something. Uh, but I feel like with this off season, there's uh, it's a lot more pressing to get those out. So I'll definitely be getting that out here, like I say, later today or early tomorrow morning. Um, so that way I can, you know, be relevant. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode. I uh, appreciate you taking time out here on your Saturday. Hopefully, uh it's a good weekend for you, and it goes by really, really slow. If you're like me, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Absolutely. Going to go watch Buckeye basketball here in a little bit. But, yeah, you and Aiden, you guys have a good weekend, man. Appreciate that, dude. I'm actually uh, I'm going to turn on the Army-Navy game and just watch it and see how that's going. So, uh, with yeah. that being said, this is going to conclude this episode of Jerome Cohen Plug. Stay safe, stay blessed, and as always, continue listening to your local homies, us.